You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Good morning, everybody. Just, I'm embracing the the rain hair this morning, you know, when you're taking all that extra time in the bathroom, then you step out on the porch and it's pouring. So, yes, to all the mothers this morning who tried to dress up and be amazing and then went outside and it's raining. You're amazing and beautiful, even with your rain hair today. (laughs) Awesome. I love you guys. This morning, I want to talk about refinement. Super, super exciting, huh? Who's ready for refinement? I need to center this or I'm going to be, like, weird about it. Um, let's start off with this, okay? I am coming with full expectation that you guys are going to comprehend everything that I'm talking about, that your hearts are as wide open as mine is, and that you already are going after everything that God has paid for, Okay, so I'm not going to super over explain some things that um, I cover because I want to be able to get through the whole thing. And a lot of times when I speak, I get sidetracked on the small things because I'm so excited because everything about the gospel is big to me. Um, But I want to get through this today um, and get back to refinement and really let God do some stuff in our hearts. So um, I'm going to breeze through some things that I would normally kind of Um, have a couple of scriptures for. So if you have questions for me afterwards, um, that would be great. Okay, so let's start off. I'm going to go after, if you want to turn to 2 Peter 1, um, and we're going to read 1, 2, through 4. Holler at me when you're there. All right, we there? Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Hallelujah. Let's say that over ourselves. Grace and peace be multiplied to me. Um, To you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So his power has given us some things to live a godly life. Partly, partial. What, is it, what does that say? Shout out for me. All things. So he's given us all things that pertains to life and godliness. Um, another translation says to live, to live a godly life. He's given us all the things. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Say, I'm a partaker 
of the divine nature. Whose divine nature? God's. How do we know what his nature is like? Who do we look to? Jesus and how he walked in there. So we're partakers of the nature of Jesus, what we saw him represent in the world when he walked the earth, right? Another translation says, we are participators in the nature of God. I love that. That's my favorite because I'm all about, look, I want the how-to. I, 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 I want to I know how. Don't tell me to be better, do better, try harder. Give me the how. And the how is in the nature of Jesus. We are, but we have to choose to be a participator in it. There's choice in it, not works. Okay, so let's all just say together, I'm a participator in the divine nature of Jesus. Today, brain, be a participator. Today, heart, be a participator. Today, body, be a participator. It's what I was made for. Okay, I could do that all day and just keep making you say stuff, but I'm going to move on. It's fun. We're, we're vibing. Okay. Um, so refinement. The, just the meaning of refinement is the process of removing impurities or unwanted elements from a substance. That's what refinement looks like. Um, the Lord showed me one day that refinement really looks like, you ever, have you ever been, I'm going to finish that thought, have you ever been, um, very focused on behavior, your own behavior that you're not seeing look like Jesus. And then it's like, oh, I'm being behavior focused. Um, what, what, what is the how-to to get my behaviors to change? And, um, and what the Lord showed me was it's not about doing something. It's about becoming something. And it's really not about becoming something different because we're believers today. If you're a believer, you're a participator in this thing. So because we're believers, we actually um, are becoming aware that we are already something because of the cross, because of Jesus inside of us. God looks at us. We need to become aware how God looks at us, and then it will help us do everything else, okay? There's a lot in that, but I can't do that. Okay, so refinement looks like be, and I, I'm not about t-shirt slogans that don't really change lives, but just sound cool and sell stuff. But this is really cool, and Jesus just talks to me like this because um, I'm a creative. So I heard him say, refinement really looks like behold, beheld, become. When we behold, what are we doing? We're, we're seeing. Um, but when, when we behold something, we, we mimic what we see, right? Okay, so this is why this is important. This is the process. If we want to become something, if we want to become aware of what we already have and actually see that transform our behaviors, because that's refinement's about. It's stepping deeper and deeper. It's, it's burning away the refining fires of God's burning away the impurities, right? Okay, and this is what we were made for. The fire is what we were made for. Sometimes we look at the fire if we don't see how, if we don't view God as all loving and all good, is that he wants to burn us up. He wants to put me in the oven and cook me for dinner. 
And he, and he wants to, everything that makes me me is bad. And I need to like die to all the things that are, uh, that he uniquely made me. But that's not really, there needs to be a shift that, there's a shift that can happen where you realize that he's not trying to burn me up. I'm not bad. He's trying to burn up all the things that I, that I wasn't made for. That I've decided in my belief system is a part of me now because I'm so comfortable in it, because, I, because I'm doing it all the time. And so ref, we were made for the fire. We were actually designed. It doesn't, what we were designed in, the nature that we carry, doesn't burn up in the fire. The fire actually expands and grows and turns into this big flaming thing that sets other people on fire when we walk by, because we were made for the fire. The fire isn't bad for us, but it's real bad to those, things, those, those lies and those unhealthy beliefs and those unhealthy emotions and those unhealthy desires. And when we still look at those desires that these are mine and they're attached to me forever, then it will hurt when we get into the refining fire because we've claimed those behaviors as our identity. And then it's like, this is something that's mine and you're burning it away and it hurts because it's become a part of me because I'm so comfortable in my dysfunction but when we change our mind about the fire it's exciting because it's like this is what I was made for I'm getting in the fire because all of this stuff God if that's when we can come to God and say all the things that I've grown comfortable to that still hurt when you mention refinement God I want to get in the fire and get rid of it because it's not for me it's not mine you didn't made me and, and it's always his it's an invitation into the stepping into the more. Okay, keep going. So when we behold, we mimic what we see. The, Jesus made his life. Let's talk about the disciples. Jesus made them feel like such per- participators in what he was doing when he walked the earth that, that Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water when he saw Jesus do it. Peter was like, this wasn't day one, Peter. This wasn't day one. Oh, Jesus is on the water. Let's go out with them. There was a history built with Jesus, and he was, he was beholding what Jesus was doing. He was, everything inside of him was drawn to what Jesus was doing because we were made in the image and the likeness of God, and everything inside of our design is being called out to when we see somebody else who's walking in their identity and walking free walking in that divine nature. It calls out, and it's calling out to the disciples. They feel like such participators that when Peter saw Jesus, he's been mimicking that, look, when this guy does something, I get to do it too. I get to be a participator, so I'm going out in the water. So he's mimicking what he saw Jesus do, and he got to go out on the water, water too. All of his belief systems weren't exactly all there because he started to sink, but the other disciples didn't get out of the water. So something was going on with Peter, and he was willing to do that. So I want to be a Peter. I want to jump out of the boat, take risks, even if I'm going to go under, because he's going to be the, I know that he's going to be the invitation that grabs me back up. So when we mimic what we see, disciples walking on water um children mimic they learn how to walk they learn they mimic what they see is possible for them by looking at their parents i'm talking really fast i'm excited i got a lot that i want to get through and yes okay so the chil- children mimic what they see they look at their parents and they they say this is possible for me i can walk right now i don't know how to use my arms and I can't grab stuff yet, but I know that I can walk and eventually they get there, okay? 
And as parents, just like God is with us, he's a good father. When our kids fall, we're not going to be like, you're never going to walk. <laughs> when I learned how to walk, I did it right away. <laughs> there was no process. I just came out of the womb and took my first steps. <laughs> that would be an unhealthy parenting style there. Um, we say, that's a good job. You get up and do it again. You want to try tomorrow? I have this video of Finn learning how to walk, and I'm all, like, trying to video it to show my family. And he's like, and then just face plants into the ground. And I'm like, oh, are you okay? And that's when you're like, you can try tomorrow. You don't have to do it again. God does that. He's not looking at us like, well, you failed today. Get back up. Let's go, you know. Let me see it again. Wipe the blood off. He's a good father. He's with us in this whole thing, the whole refinement. When you're around people, I'm talking about you, you mimic what you see, the beholding part. You, when you get around your friends, you start to pick up their mannerisms. You start to do stuff like them. You, you know, if I'm listening to a certain speaker, you know, I, I start to get in that flow and, and pick up their mannerisms. Um, when you, you move to a different country, you can pick up accents from people if you're there for a long time. You mimic what you see. And this beholding is not just about what we're seeing with our eyes. This, this beholding is to experience with all the senses. I'm seeing with all my senses. I'm, I'm hearing it. I'm smelling it. I'm feeling it. I'm experiencing. I'm beholding the, the character, the likeness, the nature of God. And as I behold that, something starts to happen in me. I start to mimic what I'm seeing. So think about the you know, that's, that's the positive, and the same thing happens in the negative. What are, we, what are we seeing? What are we feasting on? What are we experiencing? What are we allowing to be our entertainment? Those are the things that we're going to start to mimic. All right, so that's the beholding. And then the next thing, beheld. That is so on the Father's heart, always and forever, being held, learning to be held. There's trust in that. There's leaning back and resting in that. Um, and, and in that being held, really being held is knowing that you're loved because you don't let someone hold you that you don't completely trust. You don't lean back and rest and find your, find your resting place, find your, you know, you don't lean back in someone that you don't trust. Kids don't run up and, 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 and skit in the arms and, let everything go with someone they don't trust. That's why, you know, when they, they're being babysatted by other people and then they come home, they just let loose with all their chaos because they couldn't trust it with the other people. They could get in your arms and let it go. That, that being held looks like knowing you're loved. And, and knowing your love will affect how much love I will allow myself to receive. Can't get into that. Just going to leave it there. Okay. So, from this place of beholding, experiencing, being held, relaxing, um, knowing that I'm loved and that I'm worth receiving his love, 
I didn't say that I deserved it, but he said I was worth it with his life. And so it would be a disservice to what Jesus did on the cross if I, if I said, ah, I'm not good enough for this. It would really be discounting what he did because I'm not allowing him to get his full reward in me because he came to love his children with his full, full force of love so that we could become aware that we are love. So from this place is where I become. Become aware that I'm already there. Okay, I'm already, I already have access to the there that I'm not seeing happening. Does that make sense? I need, when I do these things, behold, beheld, um, become, uh, it's all about becoming aware that I already have access to the there that I'm not seeing yet in my life. And then that's when we start to see the, the, the things happening. Okay. So we're talking about refinement. And as I... As the years went on in my walk with Jesus, um, he set me free, like really and truly free. Like sin, habitual sin issue is not an issue. Like, like getting in his presence more satisfying than anything else that I could ever experience that the, that the enemy would want to distract me with or tell me is better than. Um, the, like being more, um, like grace being more scandalous than any lust I'd ever experienced. Like, like experiencing the high of being in the presence and being held by God that any high on the earth could ever give me. And, and anything that wasn't, um, that I wasn't made for just didn't, didn't catch my attention anymore because my gaze was locked in with the one who loved me even when I didn't love him back, even when I didn't choose him. My gaze was locked in because I never wanted to look away from that kind of love. When you really experience love that you you never deserved and and he walks with you through the process of falling and falling and falling and turning away, um, it's really hard to walk away from that. And so I, I got really and truly free from the, from the hell stuff, I like to call it, that used to keep my attention, that, it, that, that my desires were for. My desires change. And so because of that, I really had a heart for people whose desires haven't changed yet and, be, and became very comfortable being with them. Okay, let me do this analogy just because I like chocolate and... And chocolate is good, and a lot of people like chocolate. You can relate. So the behaviors really isn't the issues when it comes to sin. Just like it, it's my belief system about the behavior. It's the desire that's there. So when I'm on a diet, it's really not the chocolate that's the problem. When, I, when I'm on a diet, it's not the chocolate that's the problem. Um, I can 
hide the chocolate and I cannot go buy the chocolate and all of those things. But if the desire for the chocolate's still there and I'm thinking about chocolate and I'm dreaming about chocolate and I get up and I say, I was made for chocolate. There's, it's not the chocolate that's the problem. It's actually my desire for it. It's my mindset that says, this is something that I can't live without. This is the thing I need to satisfy me. I will not be happy without it. I will not be okay. And I can do spurts without it, but I'm going back for it because I want it. I, I believe that I need it. Okay? This is, this is relatable to sin. Sin is not the problem. It's our desire for it. It's our belief system that this is who, this is something I will always struggle with. This is something, this is a condition that I have. It's like if I had a skin condition and and I used to look at, look at God this way. If I had a skin condition and God had the ointment that would magically clear my skin up and these were the list of things I had to do to get the ointment, okay? So I would do my list get my ointment, and then be all cleared up. And then I would not want to do the list for a while, and so my skin would break out, break out, break out, break out, and then I feel like, well, now, since it's been so long since I've had the ointment, I have to do, like, multiply all of these things by 100 in order to get enough ointment to get me back to how I was. Are you following me? What? I had this mindset that when I sinned, I was out of his graces, but he had the thing that could get rid of the sin. But this was going to be a condition I had forever. When you believe it's a condition you will have forever, you will always have breakouts. Because you will always go to the thing that causes the breakouts. And so, when, so with this refinement thing, I got free from that. Okay, free from the breakouts. I I realized, hey, this isn't for me. It's not good for me. Jesus never condemned me and was mad at me. He just was inviting me into what I was always made for. And I don't have to live like this anymore. Yay, God. And then I was free. I changed my mind. That's what repentance is. Changing my mind. And so I got really comfortable being around people who's eating chocolate. I got really comfortable. They could have a chocolate cake on the dinner table, and I'm not going to partake in the chocolate cake because I wanted the people who would eat chocolate cake in my face that just wanted to see if I would still love them to know that I would. But I'm not going to be a partaker in the chocolate cake. But in this season of refinement in my life, God is showing me, you're starting to like the smell You're starting to like the smell of the chocolate. You're not a partaker. You're not eating it. It's not caught. You're not sinning. You're not causing you to sin. But you're getting your enjoyment. You love to smell chocolate. You're starting to enjoy these things, even though it's not producing sin in you. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm going real far with this chocolate analogy. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? And, and in me, there was a thing that was happening. My spirit and my heart were on the same page. And, and, but my mind, there was a disconnect happening. Okay? And I was thinking, 
there's a pull because I, my spirit and my heart were being moved by God and his voice saying, this is a new season of refinement. Like if you see this and this and this, just turn it off. Just walk away. Don't say anything. Don't engage in that. These new, new levels that I don't believe were sin issues before, but this is like character building with the Lord. And and there, but there was something inside of me that was like, well, this is works again. This is, you know, my mind. I could feel my heart and knew that it was God speaking to me. But my mind was like, let me rationalize why this is still okay for me to enjoy my stuff here. Because it's not causing me to sin. But I'm getting my fulfillment and my joy from things that Jesus paid for people to be free from. Wow. I mean... I, I can look different to the world and love well and love them in their mess, but when what's causing them to, to not be free, I start um, getting my pleasure and joy from it. Am I making sense? We can do and per, be all things to all people. They talk about it in there. In the Bible, uh, there are rules and regulations that really didn't mean anything. But listen, it. I was talking to the Lord about it, and I was just like, man, this really feels like works. This really feels like control. This really feels like all the stuff I hate about religion, and I'm free from all this. And, and I've proven this to be true in my life, God, so why do I feel like you're telling me to do all of these little nitpicky things? Like, And, and the Lord said, Sarah, it's impossible for you to be religious anymore because your motivation is love now. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on everything that you were made to crave and enjoy and be satisfied by because you're, you're using the things of the world to do those things for you. And it wasn't wrong and it wasn't causing you to sin, but there's something greater for you. And there's a t- season of refinement to walk into and let those things go. There's a season of refinement to walk into to, to be satisfied by me and me alone. And I'm not telling you that you're going to go to hell if you watch a show with a sex scene. I'm not telling you you're going to go to hell if you drink champagne on an occasion. I'm not telling you you're going to go to hell if, you, if you're seeing things or you're out and doing things that, that, that's of the world. What I'm saying is we weren't made for it. And there's something better. And he wants us, when, when it becomes what we need to be happy, We've replaced him. And it was just like a beautiful invitation from the Lord for me to be like, hey, it's okay. I see that you're free. And that's why you're ready for refining fires. There's some things that, that in your desires where you said, this satisfies me. This, this I enjoy it. It's time to change what brings me joy all across the board. It's time to be refined a little bit more. Does that make sense? And it's not legalism and it's not works. It's getting in the refining fire and say, God, you can have all of it. Rearrange it how you want to. And because my motivation, religion is being motivated out of fear of what would happen if I don't do the things. And it also looks like um, 
having to work. I'm doing it because I'm working to earn something, either from God, his approval, or from people that are in religious circles. I, I need to earn approval. I need to look like a good pastor. That's what religion looks like. But when our motivation is, God, I'm in love, and my heart is open to you, and you're the image I was made in, and anything in my life that doesn't look like you, burn it away because it's not mine. And I'm tired of making it harder than what it is. It, it's, it's simple, and it's easy because it's not for me, and it's not mine, so it doesn't hurt anymore. It's actually really exciting. So refinement is great. It's wonderful. It's good. You were made for it. All right. Let's turn to um, let's turn to Mark twelve thirty. In the in this refinement stuff, there can be process. But what I found in the process, um, raise your hand if you uh, know what I mean when I say process. Okay, so the process of refinement looks like I'm being intentional about refinement, and I am, in along the journey of me renewing my mind to in becoming aware that this is what I was made for and this is really who I am, even though my behaviors aren't necessarily lining up with refinement. Okay, so it's like God moves your heart and when you're speaking to him or whatever and says, hey, this is a new area of your life where I want to get, I want you to let some things go um, because it's actually, when your hands are like this, you're actually keeping yourself from receiving fully and um, I want my love to do its full work in you. And so I can only do as much as you allow me to do. It's not that he's holding back because of our behaviors. We actually go like this. Does that make sense? It's not that he's like, oh, I'm withholding because you're doing this. It's like we're like, hold on a second. I can't even handle that right now because all I can handle is what I have right here. Does that make sense? Okay, so in that, in the process, um, it can be hard to figure out, why am I not seeing these things happen? And so I just want to talk a little bit about that briefly. So Mark twelve thirty, and you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart and with, oh, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, there's a really, there's another translation of this that says, and you shall love the Lord your God from your whole heart. W-H-O-L-E, from your whole heart and from your whole soul and from your whole mind and from your whole strength. And I think that this verse right here is one of the verses that points to the how-to of seeing unhealthy behaviors, unhealthy emotions, unhealthy mindsets that we have transformed. Um, we have to not just love him with our everything, but we have to actually be whole. Yeah, my, whole, my, my heart can just, I just love you with my heart um, and with, with my life, but, but is my heart actually whole? I love you with the whole thing, but am I still broken? 
Does that make sense? Whole. And so I want to break that down real quick. So our heart is what we love from. And our soul is what we feel from. And our mind is what we think from. And where does our strength come from? The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Nehemiah 8.10, right? So I love the, the, the order of this scripture too. Um, it's, it's talking, it gives us the, the answer key. It gives us the blueprint of how to live whole. When I, when you, have you ever read a verse like that and thought, I am loving you. I love you with my whole heart, but I still don't see my behaviors change. And I think this is the answer. Is your heart actually whole? Have you allowed him to heal it and make it whole? Okay, so we love from our heart. And you know you're whole when there's fruit of wholeness. So what does fruit of wholeness of a whole heart look like? Fruit of having a whole heart will look like um, a whole lot of love. And it will look like loving from a whole heart, not an old heart. I don't want to get too far into that. It's one of my favorite things to talk about, Ezekiel eleven nineteen, And I will give them one heart. Ooh, I want to go into that, but I can't. And put a new spirit within them. So this is Ezekiel have, talking to down the road of what, what Jesus did for us, okay? I'm, I want to give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. And I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. And that word flesh there is not fleshly desires. It's flesh like soft, moldable. It took the stony one that couldn't be moved by God, couldn't experience him, couldn't behold him, be held, be loved. It, and it replaced it. He gave us a new heart, a whole heart. Prince of peace. Prince of shalom. Shalom means wholeness. The prince of wholeness stepped in, took residency inside of us, and actually took the old heart out and put a new heart in there. And we don't have to work up his love because it also says in Romans 5.5 5, that God pours his love out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he's given us. There's no work even involved in that. He's continually pouring it out with the heart that he gave us full of his love that's a continual overflow. There's no working up to loving like God. It's already happening. It's just that process of believing that that's what, what we can live out of. Okay, so the fruit of a whole soul is fruit of healthy emotions. I say all the time, emotions are not bad. They're indicators of what we believe. If we have a lot of healthy emotions, we have good, healthy beliefs. If we have a lot of negative emotions, it's not bad, but it's pointing us towards something that we're believing in, in our minds, in our belief system, that's unhealthy, that's causing us to be hopeless, that's causing us to be um, depressed, that's causing us to be joyless, all of the opposite of the fruits of the Spirit. If we're experiencing that in our lives, it's probably because we have some unhealthy emotions coming from unhealthy belief systems. You with me? This is a lot, but it's all very important. So the fruit of, of a whole soul, loving God with my whole soul, looks like I have healthy emotions happening. That can be one of the tough ones. That's been one of the tough ones for me. 
healthy emotions. It's in every moment when unhealthy things, when I change my mind about my emotions and I say, every time I have an unhealthy emotion, it's because I am believing a lie about something. Then I don't claim those emotions as mine. I don't look in the mirror and take it on. I actually know that it's not. And then I can then change my behavior because I'm not allowing my emotions to dictate my responses, my reactions, my behaviors. Isn't that good news? We don't have to be just little puppets in the wind to our emotions and the traffic and, and people who are mean to us, are rude to us, or didn't wave. People who didn't get us the credit we deserved. The boss who doesn't see how valuable we are. Our emotions aren't swayed by it because we actually have changed our belief system. Unhealthy emotions aren't mine, so this isn't me. So what's going on in my belief system here? And it's not works. I'm actually taking control of my thought life. Take every thought captive. So having a, and that leads right into those emotions start with having a whole mind, a sound mind, fruit of healthy thoughts. A lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll meditate on thoughts that are unhealthy. I'll meditate on conversations and it, uh, on the bad outcomes. In the car, in the shower, I'm meditating on, oh, they didn't text back, and this is what they probably are thinking. And so this is going to be my response if this is what they're thinking, because they probably are. You know, silly stuff like that. And, I, and, we, and we rehearse the bad outcomes. We rehearse, you know, get, getting there late, not being on time. We rehearse how people are going to respond when we are late. We rehearse what people are going to think about me. But what if we changed our thinking to rehearse the positive outcome? What if we changed our thinking to, to think the best about people, to have the most hope for people? When I stand up here, I believe that you guys are getting it. When I stand up here, I believe that you guys are going to step into everything that God's showing me and more. I believe you're going to go further and farther than me. I have the most hope for everyone in this room. I have the most hope for me in my own personal walk and my own personal process. Because I'm changing my mind and I'm rehearsing the positive outcome. And that's how, that's a fruit of healthy thoughts. What are my thoughts pointing me to? That's good. That's good. That's good news. We are not victims. We are not victims to our biology. We're not victims to chemical imbalances. We are not victims to sickness or illness. We are not victims to what we were born into. We actually are participators in the divine nature of Jesus. And refinement is what we were made for. It's not hard. It's actually simple. We just have to believe that in our minds and, and things will fall into place. Okay, this is really cool, and it's the last thing I'm going to do. I had other things, but, you know, we're just not getting there, and that's cool because God is going to do something amazing with what we've covered. There's something called neurogenesis, and when you study the brain, these are nerve cells that are birthed every day. 
Um, and these are for our, ment- our, our mental benefit. So I love it when Dan Muller says, when people are walking around me and they say, oh, so-and-so's on my nerves, I like to say, get new nerves. <laughs> Why are you letting your nerves dictate how you think about people, how you respond to people? It really has more to do when I respond outside of my nature that I was made for. So that's the person of Jesus. It's because something is going on with me and what I believe about myself. It has nothing to do with the person outside of me. When we get real insecure and real uppity, that's usually because we'll usually respond in a negative way towards people from our own insecurity. And it's not really about how they respond because they can't make me do anything. They can't make me be angry. They can't make me feel hopeless. They can't make me do anything. I get to decide. No one, no, one, no one can touch what's going on inside of me. I can actually affect what's going on inside of me when I believe that. And so this neurogenesis, they tear down any negative, unhealthy, and dangerous thoughts because what they're finding in studies is that only 2 to 25% of the illnesses that we're finding in people are actually caused from the environment or from our genes. A whole 75 to 95% is caused by our unhealthy thinking. And there's actually studies that I don't have time to go into about how the, the genes that we can have passed down to us actually have, the DNA has to be unzipped by what we are thinking about that in order for it to have touch anything inside of our immune system. So when we believe things like, this is in my line and this can happen to me, we unlock the DNA and give it, and give it space to do something in our brain and then it does something in our body. It's amazing. It's incredible. It really, it, it's science and the Bible complement each other. When he says, think on whatever is good, whatever is pure, think on these things. He's giving us a solution to not just keep us whole in our mind, but in our body too. There's so many undetectable diseases that are happening that I believe are coming from my unhealthy thinking. And so these, the neurogenesis that happen every morning um, these, that's why they fight against these unhealthy firings that are going off in our brain because they're not just bad for our spiritual life. They're bad for our body's health, and our brain attacks it like it's a disease. But we actually have the choice by what we choose to think about in those moments, whether it be negative or positive, in order to allow that neurogenesis to create brand-new nerves. So the whole get new nerves is actually a thing. You have the opportunity every morning. It, you know, it says um, in Limitations 3.22, his mercies are new every morning. Every morning. Joy comes in the morning. There's an opportunity, that last thing on what, 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 what fruit of loving him with our whole strength. We get our strength from what? The joy of the Lord. That tool for renewing our mind is joy. That's a beautiful tool. Every morning, joy comes in the morning. I have an opportunity to grab hold of a new thought today. I have an opportunity to grab hold of a new belief system today. Maybe what someone confronted about me 
I don't have to build up my, my hallway of judgment and I told you so, that proves that my original thought was right and I was all right along. Maybe the new thought is, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I've done something. Maybe I need to go to God in prayer about what I'm doing and it was not just them and because of what they did. And, and you know what I'm saying? There, what if there's a new thought to grab hold of today? And I believe that's what God wants to do through refinement. So let's go ahead and stand together. I want to pray for you guys. I know that was a lot of information thrown at you. It's something I'm super passionate about because I've, I've seen the way that it's changed my life, given me breakthrough in in freedom, in, in me actually seeing my behaviors change by what I'm thinking about. And I think as Revive as a whole, God's taking us into this new place of refinement. And it starts not by working up to it or having to be something or having to be like Sarah or having to be like Tony or having to be like Nikki or having to be like Owen or having to be like Lindsay and trying to, to be these people that we may admire. It, 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 there's not a working up to refinement. It, it's actually an, an abiding. Behold, beheld, become. Becoming aware, and we do that through abiding in him. In John 15, 4, it says, Abide in me, and I in you. <clears throat> As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So if we want to see fruit, we have to abide in the vine. We have to abide in him. And so I believe that God um, wants to take each one of us into a new place of refinement. So let's close our eyes. And I kind of want to walk you guys through something. Can we allow ourselves to, to, to be open? Allow our hearts to be open. He gave us that new heart, so it's sensitive to, to his voice. We don't have to work to hear him. Our, our, our heart hears from God. It, it's moved by his voice. What is he speaking to us today? I, b- I believe there's there's a new there's a new layer of refinement as as the fire of his love is just ablaze in this room right now. His love is here. It, it's not just crashing in. It's actually an overflow, a carryover of of what's happening inside of our hearts. When you walk into this place, it, it doesn't just feel like love is here, that's coming from something. There's an overflow of what God is is doing inside of us because we're choosing it. We're saying yes to refinement. And there's an overflow that's happening in the residue. We can't clean it off. We can't get rid of it. The residue of love is all over the walls and it's on the seats and it's on the musicians and it's on the vibration of the, the instruments. And You can't get away from it. You you can't get away from it. The fires of his love is here. So as we abide in the fires of his love this morning, what is Jesus speaking to your heart? What does a new level of refinement look like for you?
Does it look like him, him highlighting where he wants you to be satisfied in him? Does it look like him, a lot of times that would look like him bringing you freedom from needing to be satisfied from something else. But the, the bigger picture is learning to be satisfied in him. The bigger picture is experiencing him in a moment that changes everything. So thank you, Jesus, right now as you're, you're, you're just coming in with love and, and you're, you're rearranging our hearts this morning. You're, you're putting pieces back together and saying, look, this is the wholeness you were created for. You can actually love me from this place. You can actually love other people from this place. You can actually be strengthened in your spirit from this place. You can be whole in your mind and sound in your mind in Jesus' name. You can be whole and sound in your mind this morning and all it takes is your surrender and your yes. All it takes is saying, yeah, God, I surrender to your refinement. God, I give those desires to you. I, I'm changing my mind about them. They're actually not mine. They're actually not a part of me. There's something I've been choosing and God, I give that to you and I choose you today. So if Jesus brought something to your mind and, and, and you're, you're willing to just be like, right, I'm ready to go in the fire with this stuff. Burn it up, God. I'm ready to go in. I'm ready to, to start walking more fully in what I was made for. I want you to just to put your hands out as a sign of I'm just, I'm surrendering it. I'm giving it over. And then would you ask the Lord, would you say, God, thanks, I receive what you have for me. I receive what you have for me, God. I receive the greater measure. I receive what you have for me. I receive what I was made for. into wholeness. We let you heal us into wholeness. We let you love us into wholeness. We let you love us into wholeness this morning, God. stay in that moment, stay with your eyes closed, stay with your hands out if that's where you're at. Briefly, I want to do something. I just, I just see the Lord doing something and I, I want to be obedient to that. 
there's something so special. You know, we've heard about revivals that started on Father's Day. And really all that is is just God, people experiencing God for who he's always been. It's nothing new. It's not some big event. It's just people becoming aware of who God has always been. (laughs) Becoming real to them. And I was thinking about that today, and and I I just had had an impression that the Lord was saying, you know, I want them to experience me as father, as friend, and I want them to experience me of of that comfort and that love that only a mother can give. And some of us had amazing mothers who have passed. Some of us have had had hard times with our, our mothers who may still be alive or have passed too, but... Man, God wants wants us. He loves us. He likes us. He he wants to love us into wholeness and like a mother would do. He he wants to kiss it and make it better. You know, he wants to pick you up when you fall. He he wants to look in your eyes and, and say, That's not who you are. I know you, I see you, I love you. And, and I felt like today God wanted to, wanted to this refinement, this fire that we see sometimes I've seen as a big hyped up experience and, and people getting out of wheelchairs and yeah, God, that stuff is happening and, not, and, and I am coming expecting for all of that. I want it all. But I felt like he was saying I want them to experience me, hold them like a mother would hold them. Like a mother would hold a child in the night. That although a child might be scared and, and, and give having a tantrum or be afraid um, because they had a nightmare or you know, all of these things that we can look at as insignificant, but it's important to God because because it's a piece of who he is, and he chose to represent that in, in mothers. He chose to represent that in women. But it's a piece of who he is, and it's an important piece. And I believe that he wants to bring us into a new place of wholeness by us experiencing him with that kind of love and care and comfort. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.